You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Good morning. How you guys doing? How many of you guys had spring break this week? Or your kids did? Because I guess if you're an adult, you don't have spring break anymore. But wouldn't that be nice if like, you were an adult and you weren't a teacher, mind you, because uh, we still get spring break. Uh, and they just said, hey, you get a week off. No, you get paid, you get everything. It's just you're, you're going to build in a week for you to just have off every year. How nice would that be? How many guys would be okay with that? Yeah. All right, I'll work on it. Um, I don't have any ability to change anything, just so you know. But, uh, hey, I, we're going to talk about a concept today and an idea in the parables that Jesus, I think, reveals to, to us for a very particular reason. But I, I kind of want to show you a, a video that kind of explains that this concept is, is, is a widely held biblical concept. It's not just in the parables. Jesus is, is revealing an idea about how to live, and, and, and it's consistent with uh, the, the rest of the New Testament, and you're going to see that. So uh, we're going to be playing that in just a second. Are you ready, Luke? Ready? Okay. It's not Luke's fault. It's mine because 15 minutes before service, I'm like, hey, I forgot to give you the video. And so what you're about to see is the unprepared version of me forgetting to send a video to Luke. So that's on my part, but we're good to go. So let's watch this real quick. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Now go, be strong and courageous. Lead the people on their way, so they may enter and possess the land as I have shown you. Watch over them willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people, but lead them by your own good example. Make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. And do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Remember, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. So so as we go through this passage in this parable, what I what I want to put out there, and I want you guys to understand, is that this is a, a, a story God is going to tell, Jesus is going to tell us to make sure we understand what we're supposed to be doing. Okay, So I'm going to set, the, I'm gonna set the, the stage for you. I think whenever you read the Bible, it's really, really important you understand what's going on around the verses you're looking at. Let you keep it in context, let you understand why this parable is even being told. And so uh, you find this parable towards the end of Matthew, right? And in the end of Matthew, Jesus has already told his disciples that he's, he's basically not, he's going to go away. He's going to die. He's going he's gonna to come back. He's going to redeem us, but then he's going to go away. And, and, and he also follows this up with, it's going to be for an indeterminate amount of time. He's not going to tell them when he's coming back. Uh, it's not going to be soon, okay, uh, to them. Uh, it's not going to be in their lifetimes. And so this parable is set up in this stage of what do you do when Jesus is no longer face-to-face with you? Uh, 
when Jesus is no longer daily present, when you're not eating dinner with him anymore, when you're not hanging out uh, physically with him anymore. He's still going to leave the Holy Spirit behind. We're still going to have connection to God, but it's not going to be the same. And so this is what he's telling the, the disciples, and then he tells this parable. And, and it's, I think a lot of times we take this parable in different ways. Uh, I'm going to present it in a little different way than I've heard it over the years. Um, just because the more and more I study it, the more and more I think God was giving us a, 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 some instruction that's very key and very important. And so let's start reading. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. Uh, Matthew uh, 25. Go ahead, get in there. I'll wait for you. Go on. Open up your phones. All right. It's good to know where this stuff is. Highlight stuff. Take notes. Make uh, stuff that you later can uh, use. When you know, sometimes it's cool when the Holy Spirit needs to to use something and and use you in a way that you actually have ammunition and weapons for Him to use. And so it's good to it's good to have this set somewhere. So it starts out like this. Um, for he's talking about, uh, like I said, what's going to be happening over this time period once Jesus leaves Earth. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. All right? So, I mean, you can see what Jesus is saying. Hey, I'm going to put this in terms you can understand. All right, I'm leaving. And, and, and I'm going to entrust my servants with talents. Okay? The, the parable is commonly called the parable of talents. All right? And so there's a couple things that we're going to take away from verse by verse. We're just going to unpack the verse, and then we're going to talk about the truth, I think, that the, the, the verse gives us. Uh, I want to make sure that you understand that I don't think talents means abilities or individual characteristics or giftings, okay? I think a lot of times when we read this, we're like, well, God gave you certain gifts to use. And while I think that applies here, I think it's important that you understand that God did give you gifts and did give you abilities. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. What I think God is talking about, Jesus is talking about, is responsibilities and opportunities. All right? Because it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for him to say, if talents meant ability, the the verse wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if we read it this way. To one he gave five abilities, to another two abilities, to another one, each according to his ability. It's like, yeah, that doesn't work in in the translation for me. And so what, what I think he's saying is, look, I'm leaving you behind things to do. Uh, you will not be idle when I'm gone. It won't just be, you know, like a summer vacation where you're waiting for me to come back and you just chill, chillax a little bit, you know, do your thing. You don't have any responsibilities. I'll come back and we'll pick it up from there. He's saying, no, it's like this. A man left his, his, his job, his, his company, his home, whatever it may be, and he had people that worked for him, people that were, were under him, and he gave each of them responsibilities to keep the thing going, Right? And so when we're reading this, for the rest of the time we're reading this, every time you hear the word talent or you hear hear what he left behind or they say, this is what I did, think opportunity, think responsibility. I think that's going to be key to understand what we're given here. The other thing we've got to take away from this is that Jesus is very clearly giving instruction. This is not one of those parables that I think was needing another explanation. It wasn't a very hidden one. Jesus being very, he's getting ready to go. His parable is very straightforward. It's very to the point. He, he's giving instruction and, and he's calling us to action. Okay, this is one of those parables where when, as you read it, you have to get the idea that this is a call to action. You can ignore it or you can apply it, but that's your only option. Right? You don't get to say, well, that's something I can apply later or something I don't have to worry about right now. Jesus is saying, no, while I'm gone, this is what I expect. All right, so let's keep going. 
The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. All right? Um, can I just say that I think more of us probably, if we're honest, identify with the last guy than we do with the first two? All right? And I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But I want you to not be offended by that statement. Okay? I don't want you to be like, well, I'm the bad guy in the story. Well, maybe you are. Okay? You might be. Okay? Sometimes we have to admit that we're sinful. Uh, that's hard for us. Okay? Especially when we're dealing with things where God's saying, hey, I've got specific instruction, and if you're not living up to it, you need to own up to that. Right? So if that is you today, and when we get into this and you start understanding what that last man is really all about, like, own that. It's okay. Uh, I've been there. Uh, I am that last man sometimes. Uh, uh, sometimes I hope that I'm the other guys too. But here's the part that's really hard to understand. <clears throat> I don't know, understand. We just want to ignore it, I think. He gave each to his ability. All right? This is something we're going to struggle through here in a minute, but I, this rubs me the wrong way. I want God to see me as equal to every, God sees everyone equally. No, he doesn't. He understands that some of us aren't equally equipped. Right? So he's not going we have, to, we have missionaries here that are going to Africa, okay, living in Africa, living in the Congo. Do you understand that they're uniquely equipped for that? That God gave them abilities, they're, they're kind of on the five talent level in my, in my mind. God gave them special abilities to go out and, and said, hey, here's a huge responsibility. Take it and run with it. And you have it, it's in your ability to do so. And they have the same responsibility we do to either obey that call or to ignore that call. But there is no in-between. So they're going out and they're investing in the talents and the abilities that they were given to do the responsibility God gave them, right? But that might not be you. You might not be the person that God prepared or gave the ability to go to Africa. That doesn't mean God thinks less of you. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you or give you the same amount of grace. We all equally need grace. But he understands that we're not created equal. And so he gives to your ability. And, and that's a key part of this passage that we're going to dig into a little bit more later. Uh, and I think it's the part of the passage that rubs us wrong, is that I might be the guy that only gets one talent. And I want the five talents. I want the big responsibility. I want, the, I want, the, I want to be like seen by God as a big man on campus, right? And so if you're only going to give me one, eh, I'm not called the one. I'm called the five. God's like, no, you're not. I'm calling. Let me tell you what you're called to. Um, but it, it's hard, okay? But with that, the other key part we're going to have to talk about is that each of the people chose what to do, right? The guy with five talents, he went and he did his stuff. He, like, moved money around. He, and we're not talking about, like, just putting it in, in a bank because later we're going to see that could have even been an acceptable suggestion. But this guy with, let me kind of put in perspective what a talent is in, Old Test, in New Testament theology. So, a talent is a measure, okay? It started out as a Greek word for a measure of something. So you might have a talent of barley, which might mean like a certain amount of ounces of barley. Or you might have a talent of gold or a talent of silver, okay? And it's a big debate as you study this, how much money a talent actually represents. But it's substantial, okay? It's somewhere between one years of income to 15 years of income, depending on who you listen to. All right, so we're either talking, let's say the average income in here is about $40,000. So the least of these guys got $40,000. That's 
that's a decent chunk of change, isn't it? If you were given $40,000 and told to do, do something with that and, and do well with it while the master was gone, would you feel like you had a responsibility? Okay, I think I would, even if it was only $40,000. Now, some say it might be as much as a million dollars. I think it would weigh heavier on us if it was a million. The, the guy with five talents has somewhere between 200 grand and a couple million, right? So we're not talking about a small amount of money. And to make that into more money is a, is a life's work, right? So if I'm taking a year's wages or five years of wages and I'm trying to double that, or, or, which is the Bible we're going to get into says they do, I'm going to have to do some serious work, right? I'm not just going to put it in a bank and say, hey, double this for me. I wish it worked that easy, okay? Wouldn't it be great if you just hand your money over to the banker and say, hey, could you double this for me? Can you guarantee and just double this for me and then I'll be good to go? No, the guy had to go down to the shipyards, right? And he had to, he had to buy ships and, and, and stock them and send them abroad and get them back and sell the stuff that came back. This was, this was labor. This was, this was a responsibility. And so I want you to understand this was no small thing. We're not talking about, oh, it's just a talent. No, we're talking about lifetime wages, right? Very, very important to understand as we're going through this. And each chose what they were going to do. So two of them went out and did something about it, and one of them, I think, operated out of fear. We're going to get into that some more. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. I mean, that's just a cool statement. Wouldn't that be cool if your boss came and said, hey, you entrusted me with this big job. Not only did I get it done, I doubled it. Right? Now, don't you feel good when you get to tell your boss something like that? Like, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you know you've done good, right? You did good. I done did it, boss, right? And you get to go to your boss and say, hey, remember that job you gave me? That's a good feeling. And you can hear the pride in this guy's response of, of and, and it's a good one, of I did what you asked me to and beyond. Um, and, and he's seeking acceptance, and I love, I love that in this. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. In a lot of translations, it says, enter into your master's joy. What a great statement. Okay, if the master in this is Jesus, which it is, how many, how many of you think the best thing you could be told is come enter Jesus' happiness? Come be a part of the happiness of Jesus, the joy of Jesus. Come, it's something the master's saying, look, I'm gonna th- it's almost like he's saying, I'm going to throw a party or, or, or celebrate because you've done so good, and I'm so excited what's what's happened with my kingdom, and you get to be a main part of it. That's a cool statement. I think it's the best part of the whole statement. Goes on. Man with two comes and says the same thing. Master, you entrust me with two bags of gold. I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That statement again. Now here comes our last guy. I would not want to be the last guy in this situation. I don't think any of us want to be, all right? I think some of us find ourselves here. None of us want to be. I don't think this guy wants to be him right now, okay? Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. I mean, at first light, it sounds like at least he didn't lose it, right? I didn't lose it. I wasn't worthy of what the, the responsibility. I wasn't up to the challenge, so I made sure I didn't lose it. But remember the first passage. 
each to his ability. Right? God knew what this guy was capable of. God knew that he was entrusting him something he could handle. That he could handle taking that one talent and doing something with it. It was up to his ability. He had the ability to do so. And so, so what that plays into this, and we have to keep that in mind. Uh, here's what we get from this. The master's going to come back. Jesus, let me just be really clear, Jesus is coming back. Okay? If you don't, haven't got that, if that hasn't sank in, it needs to because it's key. One day, Jesus will come back. Throughout the rest of the New Testament in Matthew, uh, up to this point, Jesus is saying, look, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. One day, I will be back. Throughout the rest of the New Testament, Paul, Peter, James, John, they all attest to the fact that one day, Jesus is coming back. And here's the hard part. There's going to be an accounting. Whether you're saved or not, there's going to be an accounting. All right? Now, now here's how I take this. I don't think this is about salvation, but I think salvation plays into this. If you are saved, you understand the importance of being about your master's work. If you're not, it doesn't matter to you. If anything, you're living out of fear of that. And it should, the, the, the first two guys weren't fearful. They knew their master, and they knew what was expected, and they did it. They weren't fearful. The last guy was afraid, right? And so we have, to, we have to look at that. We have to understand that one day Jesus is coming back, and he's going to want to understand what we did with the responsibilities and opportunities he put in front of us that he gave us to do. So here's how it ends. His master replied to the last guy, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Um, I love this because Jesus, every now and then, uh, I feel like I have a gift of sarcasm. And every now and then, Jesus validates that. <laughs> and most of the time, he says, don't do it. But I, I feel like Jesus is, Jesus is saying, kind of being a little sarcastic here. You knew I was, in some verses, it says wicked. It says, I knew you were wicked. And Jesus is saying, so you knew I was wicked. Really? You knew that? Okay. Even if I was wicked and hard. And even if I did all these things, which I don't think he's admitting to, I think he's saying, you're wrong, but let's say that was true. Wouldn't it have been wise to just put it in the bank and get interest on it? Get something? He goes, but no, you don't do that. You should have put it in the deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with at least interest. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has 10 bags. I'll give it to the guy who went out and worked hard and who has shown to be, and even he'd already promised this, I'll give you more. You were in charge of a few things, I'm going to put in charge of more things. This is an important, important, important concept, and I'm going to get to it in a minute. So don't forget this, that the 10 bags of gold were taken from the guy who wouldn't do anything with it and given it to somebody who would. Okay, because this is one of our biggest excuses in Christianity, and then we complain that God doesn't use us. All right, so key on this verse, we're going to come back to it. For whoever has will be given more. They will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And then he says this, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right? Which is, again, why I think he's talking about the difference between being what, what people who are saved do with what God has given them and people who aren't saved do with what God's given them. But it applies to both sets. Okay, so there's a couple principles I want to go over here. Okay, the spiritual principle is very simple. Talents represent the responsibilities and opportunities that God has given you to carry out. Okay, how many of you guys realize that right now, where you're standing, in your job, in your home, at church, 
in every aspect of your life, God has given you responsibilities and opportunities. Let that sink in for a minute. In every aspect, okay, God's given you opportunities and responsibilities. Things you're supposed to do till he comes back or you go join him, right? Until you meet the master one way or the other, he's given you things to do. That's the spiritual principle here, okay? The real life principle is really simple then. We're to work until he comes back, using all our energy, all our faithfulness, all our love for the king to accomplish what he set before us. He has a couple very simple goals. His name be glorified throughout the earth. That's one of his goals. One of his goals is for us to know him, to know him completely, to become an heir, a son, or a daughter, be adopted into his family. Those are goals of his, very clearly spelled out in the Bible. All our responsibilities, all our opportunities are supposed to be leading to those things. So he gave us things to do that fit into his overall plan. How cool is that? Think about that for a second. He has the most amazing plan. It includes you. See, I think a lot of us wonder at different times in life why we're here, what's going on, why are we doing, why am I in this job? Why is my kid acting that way? Sometimes it's fun. Yay, my kid's acting that way. Okay. Uh, Sometimes it's harder. Right? Why am I sick? Why am I, why am I going through this? Uh, God, I, 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 we even look from the positive side. All this good stuff is happening. Why? What am I supposed to do with it? That's a constant question. How many guys have ever had a two-year-old? Okay. Have you gone through the why stage yet? Hey, eat dinner. Why? Because it's good for you. Why? Um, because there's nutrients and stuff in it that God made for you to be amazing. Why? There's no good answer to that. It just keeps coming, right? But we're the same way with God. Hey, I, I put you in this situation. Why? For myself to be glorified. Why? Okay, if not why, how? Right? We ask these things constantly. So the real life principle here is we're going to have those whys and hows, but we're supposed to work until he comes. We're supposed to put our full to it. So let's go through this then. Okay, we're going to pull this apart, and we're going to get the, the, the ideas out of this real quickly. Success is a product of our work. Okay, you can't be saved by what you do, but your success and your growth and your faith will be a product of what you do. All right? You can study all you want. You can come to church, and it's good. Don't, tell, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't not come next week, okay? All right, come. It's a good thing. But if all you do is come to church, you're going to find some, some issues with the, the success you're having in God and the success you're having uh, in your spiritual walk because our success is based on what we do with what we get. So right now, hopefully God is speaking to you. I'm not giving you anything because my stuff's just words, but hopefully God's speaking to your heart right now. And as God's speaking to your heart, he's putting ideas and, and hopefully he's motivating you a little bit. And he's saying, hey, look around in your life for a second. You guys that are in high school, you have the greatest mission field in the entire world. What are you doing with it? You guys at work, I guarantee there's people at at your work that don't know God and are having problems in their lives that only God can answer. They are your responsibility. They are your opportunity. And you will only be successful if you actually do something. Coming to church is not going to get the person next to you at work saved. Can Can I just be really blunt? 
I guess I can because I just did. So forgive me for being really blunt, <laughs> right? If you're just saying, hey, I'll go to church and somehow that person next to me will get saved, unless you do something about it, they won't. They just won't. Unless you're willing to stand to that, next to that person that, that is, I, you know, I, I think at high school because I teach, I see a bunch of awkward kids, horribly, painfully awkward, not painfully just for them, but for everyone around them. Okay, it's, I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. There's some kids that are so awkward that it's hard to be their friend. It's hard to stand up for them. It's because they say, I'm just going gonna, gonna to tell you a story. Okay, I'm not going to say any names, but we, we have a young lady that is, is here, and, and she got mad the other day, and I've never seen this in high school. In my, I've been teaching for 20 years. I've never seen anything like this. She got mad. She turned around, and she spit in the face of the boy that was teasing her. I've never seen that. I didn't know what to do. It was like, how do I handle this? Not really like a punch, but it's like really horrible. Like that's just horrible. And 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 you know, I pulled her aside and talked to her. And after she got in trouble and she came back, and and I said, you know, we just you just can't do that. It's one of those things you just can't do. And we tried to talk to her about how socially there's some things you can do and some things you just can't do. And spitting in someone's face just something you can't do. And she said, why? All you have to do is go wipe it off. I'm like, oh, sweetheart. I'm just not getting anywhere with you, am I? But does that mean that she's not worth my time? Does that mean that that girl somehow is not valued by God? No. It's difficult. It's really hard sometimes. Um, But we have to look at the things that are hard as things that God has put in front of us. Okay, we're to work using our talents to glorify God. Serve the common good and further God's kingdom. Biblical success is working diligently in the here and now, producing a return based on the responsibility he's given. He expects a return. Okay, he expects a return. He doesn't just expect you to be nice to that person. He expects a return. If he gives you a responsibility, if he gives you a job, he expects a result. We have to keep that in focus. That's, that's throughout this entire thing. If you saw those verses that I put up earlier in the video, guys, the, those verses will back that up. God always gives us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. This verse very clearly says that God gives us everything we need in order to do what he's called us to do. So if you're sitting in your job and you're looking at that person, you know God's calling you and giving this person next to you that responsibility, or he's giving you the responsibility to go to Africa. Or he's, or he's given you the responsibility to go into high schools and, and, and work with kids that are at risk, okay? He's given you these different responsibilities. It might just be as simple to say, hey, can I pray for you today? And you're thinking, God, I am woefully underprepared. He would not give you the responsibility if he has not given you the re- ability. That is clear throughout all of Scripture. Very rarely does he say go with no ability, Okay? And I'm telling you right now, if he's telling you to do something, he's giving you responsibility. If he's giving you something to do, he's giving you the ability to do it. To each his ability, it says. He understands we're not created equally. He understands that we have different skills, different abilities, different levels. And he's given you jobs to do that fit your ability, that fit your level. They might stretch you a little bit. They might challenge you but he's given you what you need to do, what he's asked you to do. Okay, look at what Ephesians 2.10 says. <clears throat> Excuse me. For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Put the concepts together. He's not only given you the ability, he's prepared specific jobs for you to do that fit your ability. It's not like he looks around and says, hmm, got this job. Mm, Ted's overqualified. Jack's a newbie. I've got to find just the right person for this job. No, he does it different. He says, Kim, I know you, I love you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to craft a job that's perfect for you. I've got this plan, and I'm going to craft out a part of it that's perfect for you. Completely about your abilities and about your talents and about what you have, and, and he's going to use you in that plan. He crafts the job around you, not you around the job. Isn't that crazy? That's what Ephesians tells us. You don't have to be scared. See, this is the thing. If we take away the fear from the last servant, he probably goes out and doubles that. But I got to be honest, that last servant is probably defining most of us. Because we're going to get to heaven one day, and it's not that we didn't, didn't declare Christianity. It's that we did nothing with the responsibility and opportunity he gave us. We buried it away for a later time. When I'm prepared, when life isn't as hard, when I have more money, when I'm not sick, when my kids are all grown up, when I grow up, right, I'll do all this stuff. And one day Jesus is going to come back and we will have buried our responsibilities and opportunities. See, remember, this is money he gave them. This is a measure of money. $40,000 this guy went and buried. He did nothing. He didn't even let it out to the world to be seen and grow interest. He buried it. That's what we do with our responsibilities and opportunities all too often. We bury them, and one day Jesus can come back, and why didn't you do anything with that? You had the ability. He's going to ask us that. God always gives us everything we need. I already said that one. We're going to go to the next one. We work for the master, not for our own selfish purposes. Okay? Do you get that at no point did any of these, at one point in different translations, they're described as servants, and another they're described as slaves. Not traditionally how we think of slaves. It's more like an indentured servant. It's probably what we're looking for here in the, in the translation. Um, they're working for this master, um, and he gives them money. Have you ever met a servant who thinks that money that has been given to them and trusted in the household is theirs? I mean, think about the ridiculousness of that, right? It would be like the guy that got five talents and said, 200 grand, getting a Lamborghini, and I'll invest 20,000 of it for God. It's all God's. None of it is ours. It's very, very clear in this. The entire thing, he's going to expect the initial back and the return, right? It's all his. So all the things you've been given, all the talents and abilities and, 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 and all the resources, because he's given a resource, with resource comes responsibility. It's all his. None of it, none of it is to be used for our selfish gain. That's a hard one. Because nine out of ten times, I think, what especially, I'm just going to say this, especially in American culture, what drives us is making sure that we're comfortable first and then God's responsibilities and opportunities are seen to. And that's so backwards of what the Bible teaches. See to what God tells you to do. Meet the responsibilities. And you know what? More will be given to you to work with. 
He's not saying suffer. I'm sure the guy that's got $200,000 is being fed. He makes sure that when he goes on these trips, he's got a hotel room. Uh, when he's going on these ships, he's got a cabin. He, he's, he's using this money, but in the end, he's investing it for a return. He's using it wisely. So God says, hey, use it wisely, but don't use it selfishly. I expect you to take care of yourself because if you're not taking care of, you're useless to meet these responsibilities and opportunities. But stop thinking it's yours. It's not. Ooh, hit my mic. <laughs> That's for emphasis. Okay. It's not. The money is given to servants is not their own. The money they earn with the capital is not theirs to keep. The servants are only stewards of the master's investment. And it's the quality of the stewardship that the master will measure when he comes back. He's not going to measure how much you have. He's not going to measure what you've accumulated. What he's going to measure is how good of a steward were you? How well did you meet those responsibilities? Did you open your mouth and preach the gospel when it needed to be preached? Because that is the responsibility of every Christian. Or did you just hide it? See, replace gold, replace talents with the gospel. Go into all the nations, teaching the gospel, make disciples. Baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a command. Love God, love others. That's a command. These are responsibilities we have. How many of you guys hide the gospel? It's rhetorical. Don't feel bad. I've done it. Ted's done it. There's been times when we're supposed to speak that we haven't spoke. There's something about words that makes it real. Guys, you can live out the Christian life your whole life, but if you never speak it, you've failed. You have to be willing to speak the gospel when the Holy Spirit guides you to do so. You have to. We'll be held accountable. <clears throat> the prayer of the talents is not about salvation or works, but about how we use our work to fulfill our earthly callings. It's about how you steward your whole life. The unfaithful student didn't waste the uh, servant didn't waste the money, he wasted the opportunity. He wasted the responsibility. I mean, just think for a second. This is going to be really important. In your mind, just for a second, go through the things you know God has you to do. What are they? I can tell you two. Love God. Pursue him. That's very, very clear. And, and, and share the gospel with those around you. Very, 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 very clear. What other things does God have you doing. And how does he have you doing those two things? Not everybody's supposed to come up here and preach on Sunday. That would be a mess, right? If all a hundred and some odd of us were up here preaching and like Ted was back there listening, all right? That's weird, all right? It wouldn't work, right? Not all of us are given the gifts to speak or, or, or to discern scripture in a way it can be teachable. But that doesn't mean that what you have isn't as valuable, right? All, all the parts work together. How many guys have ever owned a car? When you go out there, you, like you've had a car and you've had to fix it. How many times has your huge, big, complicated vehicle stopped working based on one tiny little part? Usually one tiny, really expensive little part, right? And you're like, oh, how am I, really? It's like this big. Why does it cost $800, right? It's because it's this big and it has to get into a part this big and it's complicated. And so you pay like 50 cents for the part and seven hundred and ninety-nine fifty for the installation, Right? But that little part, without it, your car doesn't run, 
So what's more important, the more the huge complicated car, the leather seats, the air conditioner, that little part which, without which the whole plan comes apart? God's plan hinges on everybody's responsibility. His plan works when we all do what we're called to do. Right? There isn't a better spot. And we have to stop waiting for it. We have to stop waiting for that. Well, I feel called to preach the word of God. Well, that's awesome. Do you have the ability and is there an opportunity? If there is, then you're called to that. You're called to stand up in front of a group and preach. But if there's no ability and there's no opportunity, then maybe you need to look at what you're called to again. It's okay. We struggle with this part because we want to believe everybody has equal ability and equal opportunity under God, and we don't. But we do have what God has given us to do. And it's crucially important to his plan. All right, so what do we do with this? How do we work with these talents? First, we're going to go through, these are going to be just a couple things I'm going to throw at you that I think if you go throughout the week and you think about these things, and, <coughs> excuse me, and you work on these things, then maybe this will be an application. I just want to encourage you guys because this is not a talent to put you down. This is not a story about talents to be like, hey, feel bad about yourself because you have all these responsibilities and opportunities that God's given you and you've done nothing with them. No, it's supposed to be an encouragement to say, don't be that. You're called to greater things. You have the ability to speak Christ into people's lives. Every single one of you have that ability. Everyone will do it differently. When was the last time, just ask yourself this, when was the last time you, you had somebody in your life that you were supposed to invite to church to pray for, to even just say, hey, I have an answer for that. Like, can I tell you about God and what it's done in my life? And you didn't do it. You're burying your opportunity. You're burying your lead. And we, we're better than that. God called us to be better than that. And he gave us the ability and the opportunity to be better than that. So whatever you do, Remember this. This will change everything. Grab this concept. If you take nothing else away, take this away. Whatever you do, whatever it is, whether you're a parent, whether you're a worker, whether you're a student, whether you're a son or daughter, doesn't matter. Whatever you do, start doing it like you're doing it for the king. Get that stuck in your head. Get that just hammered in. What I do today, wake up and say, what I do today matters because I'm doing it because God has given me the responsibility and opportunity to do it and somehow it fits into his overall plan. See, get this picture. The king has come and conquered and we were in rebellion and what he should have done was obliterate us, right? Like look at every story where the rebellion loses. Who gets to live? No one. Except in Christianity, the king calls us to his throne and says, would you like to switch allegiance and be forgiven? Mm, yeah, that sounds good. I'd rather not die. Right? That's my alternative? Yeah, sure. Not only sure, but thank you. Oh my gosh, you're not going to kill me? And now an, an, an immense sense of gratitude comes out. And he says, not only am I going to forgive you, I have purpose for you in my kingdom. He's going he's gonna to give you responsibility in the kingdom. Can you grasp the immense amount of forgiveness and grace required for us to be in this position? And if we can, then we can start picturing what it looks like to work for the king, and it changes everything. See, in the service of the king, we're ex expected to hear a command and act. 
if you truly understand the first concept, then this should, this should make sense, right? God says, hey, uh, okay, now you're saved, you're forgiven, here's the king, I got a job for you, you're like, woo! So that's pretty, you're like, woo! Ooh, man, I just messed everything up. Never do that during a big point. All right, public speaking 101. Okay, sorry about that. Now, where was I? Woo! <laughs> All right. So, can you imagine how excited you would be standing in front of a king? You were expecting death. You were expecting imprisonment. You were expecting a horrible situation. And not only are you forgiven, you're about to be given your first job for the kingdom. And God says, hey, go over there. I need a ditch dug. Three feet, you know, wide, just about two or three feet deep. Just keep digging that until I tell you to stop. In real life, what forgiven rebel goes, Psh, you want me to dig a ditch? Nah. God, I mean, like, give me something bigger. I, you know, I want to be that five-talent guy. I want to, you know, I'll run the kingdom for you. God's like, I just saved you. I just forgave you. You were a rebel. Go dig the ditch, right? Most people that were forgiven on that level be like, yeah, I'll go dig the ditch. <laughs> Thanks for not killing me, all right? <laughs> and I'm going to go dig a ditch because I understand that my king commanded I understand that it doesn't matter what I do. My king has expectations of me. And I'm doing that work, that ditch, for the king who forgave me. It matters. It's, I'm not being like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, well, here, I'll, I'll make an excuse for the people who don't have the same abilities. No, that ditch matters. If God's telling you to dig a ditch, somehow that's an opportunity and responsibility, and we need to be looking for it. Okay, God, I don't know. I'm going to go dig a ditch. Got the shovel, got the ditch. I'm on it. I have no idea how, how you're going to use this. But usually when you dig a ditch, someone else is there. So there's opportunity. God normally calls us to areas of service that match ability. Whatever your ability is, don't feel like it's bad because it's not some other ability. We like to do that, don't we? How many of you guys have looked at somebody's ability and said, I wish I had that? Right? I wish I had that ability to speak, or I wish I had that ability to dance, or I wish I had that ability to sing. And if I did, man, I would totally serve God. No, you wouldn't. Because you're not doing it with what you've got now. So why would you do it if he gave you more? The whole principle is he gives you more when you show, when you, show you can handle what he's already given you. Right? Now, I can tell you a couple things. There's certain <laughs> gifts that if you, I mean, if you're tone deaf, God's not going to have you lead worship. It's, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just how it is. But don't feel bad because there's people that, things that people that do that lead worship that you do that they can't. And it all works together. See, here's the deal. Don't hide the 40,000. Engage the 40,000. Don't worry that you don't have 200,000. Engage the forty. Engage the 40,000. What it is you have that you have not put into gear yet? Engage it. Last one. Look at your feet. Everybody look at your feet. How many of you guys have really nice feet? Just admit it. Just call it. It's okay. It'd be awesome. But I have beautiful feet. I really do. I have nice feet. All right? I really do. Okay? All right, how many of you guys know you have ugly feet? You got that whole yellow toenail thing going on and, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We love you. We just we, we know it's real. Feet can be ugly, right? It's okay. Not while you're looking at your feet, by the way, <clears throat> just in case you're wondering. But here's the thing. 
If I look at my feet, I know where I presently am, where I reside. And let me tell you something about calling. Wherever you are, that's where you're called to be. Let that sink into your head. Wherever you are at the moment, that's where you're called to be. Now, God might have a future calling or a future destination, but you're not there right now. You're here. Look at your feet. Whatever you're standing on, whatever you're standing in the midst of, is where God is planning to use you at this moment. And if your feet are moving, they better be moving because God called you to move them. Because otherwise, we're just wandering aimlessly. We're lost. Look at your feet. Guys, um, I just want to encourage you. I'm going to pray over you in just a second, but I just want to encourage you. God has called you to amazing things, regardless of ability, regardless of level. If he's only giving you 40,000, it's a beautiful 40,000. Right? And be glad you're not the 200,000 guy. There's a lot of pressure on that guy because he's been given more and more and more and more and more till he's gotten to the point where he trusts him with everything. And if you're not ready for that, if you don't have that ability yet, you don't want that because the pressure that goes with that if you're not ready for it is unbelievable. But if you're there, use it wisely. If God has given you an ability and an opportunity and a place to speak, speak. If God's given you the heart to go, then go. If God's given you the heart to give, then give. Whatever it is, the responsibility, the opportunity is there. What are you going to do with it? That's the message of the talents. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to hide it? Are you going to bury it? Or are you going to put it to work? What's the work God's got for you? Let's pray. God, right now, um, I just want to come to you. and um, God, I want to give all these people, these guys and these girls and these people in front of me and, and me, God, a, a, just a minute to wrestle with the fact that we have things that we're called to do. And in some areas we listen and in some areas we hide. And God, let us not hide. Let us be responsible for more and more so that your kingdom is known, that your kingdom comes while we're here. People know you. People find you because we are being obedient and we are meeting the responsibilities you gave us. God, let us have that joy. Let us have that joy of the servant who gets to run to you and say, look, look what I've done with what you've given me. God, let's feel that. Let's understand that that's the best thing we can do is to, to fulfill your, your purpose for us. God, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.